Yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table, now, now, now let me set the table Invited to the banquet, I'm glad that you can make it Invited to the banquet, I'm glad that you can make it Any questions I ask myself Table fam, how are we feeling today? Alright, hey if I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac I'm the pastor here at the table, I'm part of the leadership team here And I'm just so excited to gather today We kicked off the fall last week and today y'all we're starting a brand new series. Some of you have been wondering what the new series is. And here's the new series. It's called Vices. Ooh. All right, so what do we mean by that? I'm gonna, I'll share a little more later what we mean by that. Let me actually pray for us, and we'll set up our time together. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. So you can turn there after I pray. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me jump in. Father, man, we're just so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your love. Man, God, and as we're just processing our lives and processing who you are and who you've created us to be. God, I'm praying that you can just be with us, be with us today. And God, in our hearts, may be receptive um, to what you might want to say. And God, I'm just praying for me. And God, that you may use me um, here this evening for the next few minutes um, to be as helpful as I can. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, 2017, I'm, I'm living in Dallas. I'm 27 years old. And uh, my family um, had planned a family vacation. So I'm living in Dallas, and the family vacation was going to be like in this lake town. It's called Conroe, which is about three hours away. If you're from Texas, you know about Dallas, you know about Conroe. So, um, so I'm, I know that in a few months, we plan this trip, so in a few months, I need to get from Dallas to Conroe. Well, a week before the trip, I'm really excited for this trip, a week before the trip, my car breaks down, right? So my car, I'm driving, I, I'm at work, I'm driving it to lunch, I come back, the engine literally explodes, I'm being a little dramatic, it explodes, and I, you, I can literally hear it go, pop, pop. As like black smoke is coming out of the car, barely make it to my work parking lot, I need a new car, right? But, I'm, but I know that, man, I'm, like in a week I'm supposed to get from Dallas to Conroe. How am I going to get from Dallas to Conroe? I don't have a car anymore. So I spend the next week just Ubering around and asking friends for help, trying to get places. Well, I'm trying to figure out how can I get a new car. But I'm still in the back of my mind, need to get from Dallas to Conroe. So me, being the researcher that I am, I explore all of my options. One of my options was there's this, it was like the Airbnb of cars, where you can rent a car from an individual, not like a reputable, um, keyword, reputable uh, uh, rental car uh, company. So, so I, find, I find this car on the app, um, and it was a 2007 Nissan Altima. It was black. I was like, so I go, I see the car, I actually see the car in person. I'm like, okay, like this will do. Um, way, way more reasonable. You know, I'm still like many of us just trying to be reasonable with my, with my money and not like overspend and um, rental car, actual rental car companies can get pretty expensive. So I find, so I go and I pick up this Nissan Altima. I start driving down the road. It's on I-45. I'm going 70 miles an hour down the road in this black Nissan Altima. I'm about 30 minutes into my trip and I notice the hood of the car starts going, going up and down like this. And I'm like... I've driven a lot of cars. This is, that's not normal, right? So I'm like, oh, what's going on? So I pull the car just to the, to the side of the road and I look to see what's going on. And I notice that the hood of the car is attached with a bungee cord to the actual like car frame. And I'm like, oof, this isn't good. Eh, it'll be fine. I've gotten 30 minutes here. It'll be fine, right? And you'll see where this is going. <laughs> so less than five minutes later, the hood of the car just springs up, slams into the windshield. I'm going 70 miles an hour down the road, and now I have this, literally the hood of my car is blocking my view. And I'm like, where am I, like, where am I going? This is unsafe. Is there a car in front of me? I literally can't see. So there's underneath, like, the dashboard, 
where the hood, because the hood kind of curves. So there's this, the slightest, like, curve where I can barely, like, peek my eyes under the hood of the car as I'm driving, eventually get to pull off the road, get to a McDonald's where it's safe. And now I'm having to figure out, okay, I need to call a tow truck now. I need to tell this girl that I borrowed the car from that her car is broken and it's her fault because it was attached with a bungee cord. But now I'm having to, like, contact this company. All, all this to say, my point is, there was an ideal of what I thought this experience was going to be like. And the real was very different than the ideal, right? So there's this tension that we all experience of ideal versus real, right? In the ideal, things are amazing. In the ideal, everything works out. In the ideal, there can be no wrong. There is nothing breaks, nothing is wrong. But in reality, in reality, things often break. In reality, things often go like we don't think they're going to go, right? In reality, um, things just aren't what we want them to be, and we get really frustrated, annoyed, or whatever it may be with real, right? We love ideal, we long for ideal, and what we experience is real. But what I noticed about myself is it wasn't just the circumstances around me, it was me, myself, that has to process this ideal versus real. There's an ideal version of myself that I want to be, where I'm perfect, and I'm the best, and I can do no wrong. I actually do everything that I want to do. But there's a real version of myself that's broken. There's a real version of myself that's sinful. There's a real version of myself that does things that deep down I don't really want to do, but I still end up doing them. It's real. So in the ideal, um, we all know that it's from a Christian worldview, and this is kind of what we believe at the table, um, it, from a Christian worldview, in the ideal, we know that all of us are made in the image of God with dignity and value and worth. And in the ideal, we will then act out of being made in the image of God with dignity and value and worth. And we do things that are just good. We do really good things. But we also know that we live in reality. We live in real. And what we believe around here, too, is that we are real and that we are sinful and we are broken, right? Both of these things are true. There is ideal and there is real. And how we process the tension between ideal and real is everything when it comes to the Christian experience. How you process the tension between ideal and real is everything when it comes to your life. So that's what we're talking about today. And that's really what we're going to be talking about in this whole series is processing this tension between ideal and real. But fortunately, we're not left hanging on how to process ideal and real. So in Romans 7, the Apostle Paul is going to talk about his own battle, his own war with ideal and real. And he's really going to set up this really helpful, a really helpful way for us to think about how to process um, ideal and real. So this is what Paul says. Paul says in Romans 7, verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual. Okay, so what do we mean by law? If you grew up in church, maybe you've heard this word law. What, 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 is, what is he saying uh, whenever he means law? This is what he's saying. The word law means God's perfect, unchanging moral standard for everyone. God's perfect, moral, unchanging standard for everyone. So whenever Paul says, um, hey, I know that the law is spiritual, he's saying, hey, look, there's this law, there's this perfect morality this is, that God um, wants us to live by. This is ideal, right? And as we think about the ideal version of ourselves, oftentimes it pretty much lines up with God's perfect moral standard, right? Where we just want to be good, we want to be good to people, we want to be good to ourselves and kind to ourselves and kind to those around us. So Paul says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am under the flesh. I am sold under sin, right? So sin, this is real, right? So sin, the word sin actually isn't um, an inherently, like, 
religious word, right? So if you thought, as you heard Vice's, um, the series, and if you think today is going to be me saying, hey, stop sinning, let's not really, we'll, we'll talk through that. But whenever we say the word sin, um, it's not even really a religious word. The word sin, you see it on the screen here, the word sin means failure to fulfill a goal. And really, failure to fulfill any goal, right? You know, like, we just, like, make up, like, um, rules for ourselves, like, just, like, fake rules for ourselves, and then we hold ourselves to these rules. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, some of us may be trying to lose weight. Some of us may be trying to just be healthy. So we say, okay, I'm only eating one cookie today, right? Completely fake rule. Completely. It's just, you just made up the rule yourself. I'm only eating. Hey, look. Hey, look. Help me. I only want to eat one cookie today. And people are like, okay, then you can eat more cookies. Like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm only having one cookie today, right? And people are like, okay, okay that's fine, right? And then you have that one cookie. And you're like, man, that was really good. So then what do you start doing? You're like, crap, I just create, I shouldn't say crap. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, gosh, tootie, darn it, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, you, so then you're like, okay, I just, had, I just had this one, I just had this one cookie. Um, and then now, because you just, just like created a rule for everybody around you that you're only going to have one cookie, now you start eating a second cookie in secret. Right? You're like, man, I already told people that I was only going to have one cookie, so... I'm just like, now I'm having more cookies, right? You just created a goal for yourself, and then you fail to meet your own goal. So really, in that example, um, you sinned against yourself, right? It's no, not, sin is not a religious term. Sin is just whenever we fail to meet a goal, right? Um, I'll give you another example. For some of us, perhaps, you know, we, we think through our social media habits, and then we're thinking, okay, um, I'm only, uh, my wife's telling me an example of a friend of hers um, who, who's like, okay, I'm going on a social media fast. I'm done with social media. I'm not going to use social media. And everyone's like, you can use social media, that's fine. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not using social media. I'm not going to do it, right? Um, if you're like, oh, okay, that's fine. Um, so then uh, my wife <laughs> gets like a, like a notification that, um, that she had like liked a photo and that she had responded to a message. Like, I thought you were off social media. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm only responding to messages and liking photos. I'm not posting anything. We're like, you can use social media, like you're just, we just create these fake rules for ourselves and we don't even own up to these fake rules. My point is this, is that we just, we create standards. There is a standard and we don't even meet our own standard that we set for ourselves. There is a standard for how we want to live. Nobody's telling us how to live. There's a standard that we set for ourselves on how to live. And we don't even meet our own standard. Paul Paul didn't use his own standard, though, for living. Paul didn't use his own goals. Paul actually used God to, to, to set how he wanted to live because he knew that um, by living God's way, by living God's perfect, moral, unchanging way was going to be the best fit for Paul. So whenever Paul says that he sins, he's saying, I'm, fail failing, um, I'm failing to fulfill the, the goal that I want to live God's way, right? So for Paul, here's how Paul would say what sin is. Um, Failure to love God, ourselves, and others by not treating them with the honor they deserve. This is how Paul would define sin. is failure to love God, ourselves, and others by not, excuse me, by not treating them with the honor they deserve. Why is this Paul's definition of sin? Because Paul believes what we believe, that every human is created in the image of God. And because every human is created in the image of God, every human has value and dignity and worth. So to not treat somebody with the honor that they deserve, that's sin. That misses the mark. That, that's not the goal that God has for us, right? 
So um, Paul knows that it's not only others, it's also himself, right? Because he knows that he is created in the image of God with value and dignity and worth. So when he mistreats himself, he's sinning against himself, sinning against others, which sins against God. That's how Paul uses sin. So we'll keep going here. Um, is in verse 14, so we know that the law is spiritual, um, for I am of the flesh sold under sin. So Paul really is just setting up the tension between ideal and real. There's a, an ideal that he wants to live by, and there's a reality of where he actually is. So he really spells this out in verse 15, where he says, For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Mm, so Isn't that so relatable? That's like... All of us, like I, feel, like, I feel that as I'm reading this. Like, I don't do what I want, and I do the thing that I don't want. He keeps going. Now, if I do, verse 16, now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good, right? So he's basically saying, hey, look, the law is good. God's perfect moral standard is good, and I can't do it, right? And in verse 17, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Paul's saying that our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned. And because of that, every single human is, is sinful by, by nature, because we're in the line of Adam and Eve, and also by choice. So it's not just because we're human. It's not just because we're in the line of Adam and Eve that we're sinful. We're also sinners by choice. We choose sin. We choose things that miss the mark, right? We don't do what we want to do, and we do do what we don't want to do, right? So he says this in verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Right? I'm going to read that again. For I have the desire to do what is right. I know what is right. I know how I want to live, but I, I'm just being, Paul's being very honest, I don't have the ability to carry it out. Right? For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. In verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I do what is right, evil lies close at hand. He's basically saying that there's this universal principle that even uh, when he wants to do good, evil is just right there, lurking, just ready to pounce, right? Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Right? He's saying, hey, look, in my inner being, I, I really love God's morals. I really do. But verse 23, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Paul describes this as war language. This is a battle. This is a fight. He uses war imagery here. And here's what he's saying. He's saying there's this war going on between ideal and real. Ideal and real, for many of us, wage war against each other, right? So typically in this war, here's how this war um, breaks out, in this war of ideal versus real. Ideal judges real. Ideal is the standard for how to live, and it judges everything and everyone that is not that standard, right? And we're not even talking about others. I'm talking about ourselves. There is a standard that we want to live by, and the standard within ourselves judges the version of ourselves that doesn't live up to the standard, right? There are, Paul says this, where he says, hey, look, there's things that I keep doing that I don't want to do, and the ideal judges that person that is not able to fulfill the goal, right? So ideal judges real, right? And at the same time, um, 
real reacts to being judged. Real doesn't like being judged. The real version of ourselves doesn't like being judged, right? And honestly, where we feel this the most, if we can be honest, is at church and with church people. Why do we feel this so much at church and with church people? Because church is so good at highlighting the ideal. Church is so good at saying, hey, this is the way that God wants us to live. Here is the standard. Here is the way to live, right? Church and church people are really, really, really good at just elevating the ideal. And so because of that, whenever we're with church, we're around Christians, we're around, this is why Christians often get the reputation of being so judgy. The reason Christians get the reputation of being so judgy is because Christians often just highlight the ideal and the ideal and the ideal and the ideal. And we know that nobody lives up to the ideal. So if we're not careful, it comes off as very judgy as well as nobody lives up to the ideal. So that's where the term hypocrite comes in, right? Because a hypocrite is like people that are saying ideal, 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 perfection, completion, everything is good. But we know that on this side of heaven, nothing is ideal. So the term hypocrite gets thrown around whenever ideal is highlighted, but, there, but you see real, right? So because of that, real reacts to being judged. Because real doesn't want to be judged. So real reacts to ideal judging, right? So the, the way that real reacts um, to, uh, to being judged is shame and guilt. Oftentimes, as we think through ideal versus real, whenever we think through the real that we live in, the brokenness that we live in, and the sin that's in our lives that misses even how we want to live, oftentimes we feel shame and guilt because of that. Or um, we start hiding, right? If we know that ideal is just looking and looking and looking, right, like with a, with a flashlight, with a microscope, just trying to look and to find things, real moves into self-protection mode. So real is going to start hiding so like ideal doesn't catch it, right? So we oftentimes we start hiding as we think through the real, the brokenness, the sin in our lives. Oftentimes we start hiding because we don't want ideal to, to shine a light on the real. So we start going into the shadows. We start hiding, right? Or at least hiding that part of ourselves. Um, for some of us, and again, this is like more internal than, than people to people, but internal, we can't accept the fact that there's real. So we'll just deny that there's any brokenness in our lives. We start getting a defense, um, defensive, defense, defensive, defensive. I, it depends on how I frame the sentence. Um, Y'all get what I'm trying to say. We start getting very defensive. We start going to defensive mode. Ha, I got it both. So we start going to, okay, I'll move. That's, sorry, I'll move on. <laughs> We, st we start getting incredibly defensive because we can't accept the fact that there's any brokenness in us. Because we think that if we're real, then we're all bad. And we can't fathom the thought of being all bad, so we just deny that there's any bad. We're, we're, for some of us, we're all or nothing, right? For some of us, um, and kind of it goes the other way with ideal as well. Because some of us, we can't accept, like for some of us, it's either all good or all bad, right? It's either all ideal or it's all real. There's no nuance. There's no both. We'll get into more of that in a little bit. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Um, but with reality, we'll just deny that there's anything wrong with us. And we can't own problems. We can't own mistakes. We can't own that we've messed up. Whenever it comes to an argument, we're never wrong ever, right? We're, we, like, we'll position ourselves to where, like, the person that we're in conflict with, they're 100% of the problem. Let me tell you, the, the, in, the, in conflict, nobody's ever 100% of the problem. Rarely, uh, okay, that's, uh, rarely, rarely, their situation, rarely is somebody 100% of the problem, right? Is there, in conflict, is there at least 1% that you can own when it comes to conflict, right? So we'll start, 
um, denial or getting defensive, or for some of us, my, part of my story, I'm more of that in future weeks, um, we'll just start living our lives with disintegration or inconsistency, meaning we're one version of ourselves in one place where we feel like we can be honest and we can be open, and then we're another version of ourselves somewhere else, right? And that's probably a lot of us here in this room, at least part of your experience, part of your story, perhaps where you are right now, is where you feel like whenever you're at church with God's people, with Christians, high ideal, you're like, oh yeah, I'm very ideal. There's no real. And then whenever you're with other people that are from your perspective, quote unquote, less judgy, um, you, can, you feel like you can be more of your true self. And, you're, and then you may be wondering, man, why can I feel more of myself around non-Christians than my Christian friends? I don't know. I hate that. I hate the disintegration. For, it's for you. Like, I hate that you feel like you need to be two different people, right? I hate that I needed to feel like I needed to be two different people um, in, in various times, right? So typically, so real reacts to being judged. Um, and then here's how real often responds, right, after those things, but hiding and being disintegrated and, like, having, just being split, being two different people and getting defensive. Um, real, oftentimes people that are caught in real and people that forget that there is an ideal uh, will get caught in what we call a sin cycle. And here's what we mean by that. Um, so there's a story of this guy, we'll, we'll just call him Dave. Um, so Dave was feeling working, kind of had a family and had friends, but would just feel really lonely, so because Dave felt very lonely, he would try to, like, fix that loneliness. And the way that Dave would try to fix the loneliness is he would go out and he would hire prostitutes to help cure, kind of find that connection and get that, kind of cure that loneliness, right? But Dave, like, really didn't want to. He was doing things that ultimately he didn't want to do. So then he felt guilt and shame because he had just been with a prostitute. So because he felt guilt and shame, he felt unworthy and he felt unlovable. And because he felt unlovable and unworthy, now whenever he thought of his friends, family and friends, then he would start hiding from them and withdrawing from them. And as he's withdrawing from his family and friends, you're not going to believe this, guess what happens? He feels lonely. Lonely, prostitution, prostitution, to um, feeling guilty, guilty to being worthless and unlovable, unlovable and worthless, to withdrawing, to being lonely. You see the cycle? The cycle just keeps going and going and going. Whenever we think through real and we forget that there's an ideal, we forget that there's a God who loves us, we forget that he loved us, um, we don't even have to do anything to earn that love, we just forget that there's an ideal that we, are, we ourselves, every single human being, is made in the image of God, and we forget this, right? Then this is what we call a vice. So this is a, a vice clamp here. Um, I got it at Home Depot. I'm going to stick this on here. So here's what happens. So when it, we get caught up in the sin cycle, there we go, tight, it's on there. We get caught up in the sin cycle, um, we get caught in a vice, right? Our, 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 our arms are literally caught in this vice, in the sin cycle. And here's what the sin cycle vice is, is addictions and habits that have a grip on our lives. When we are living in real, in our brokenness and in our sin, we forget that there's an ideal. We reject that there's an ideal. There's a better way to live. There's, there's this thing, that a God who loves us, and we just get caught in this sin cycle, right? This vice that has a grip on our lives, right? And as I'm thinking through this vice, um, there's a, a scene of a movie that I think that just does this so well. If you guys are Marvel fans and have seen uh, Captain America uh, Civil War, I have this picture here where the Winter Soldier is, like, incredibly strong, and even in his strength, He's caught in this vice that he, that he can't get out of. So here in this picture, you see Captain America, and then you also see Steve Rogers. Okay. 
Uh, if you know, you know. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So, so Paul, Paul, he feels this, right? He feels this. So here's how Paul responds as he thinks through getting caught in this vice. Where he says this in verse 24. He says, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? Who's going to rescue me from this vice? Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? So I researched this in the Greek, and here's what Paul's saying. Ah! He doesn't actually say that. But Paul's really frustrated, right? Paul's incredibly like, man, I'm in this vice. I'm in this sin cycle. I'm in this, the way that Paul says it, I'm in this body of death. Who is going to deliver me, right? And Paul is not even surprised because of his own sin. Paul's not surprised that he's there. He accepts it as a reality that he's in um, this body of death, right? So in this body of death, another way to think about it as we think through sin, um, it's, it, things become really excessive and distorted, Right? What do I mean by that? I mean that um, there's something that's good within us in the ideal of wanting rest, that in reality it can lead to laziness. There's something in ideal that's good that, want, that we want nourishment, and in reality it leads to binge eating. There's an ideal, something really good within us that wants connection. And in reality, sometimes that leads to sexual sin. There's an ideal of something really good of us wanting pleasure, Right? Or, um, or wanting to, um, yeah, just wanting pleasure, and in reality, we'll want to maximize pleasure and minimize pain by taking drugs or alcohol, right? So in this body of death, things get incredibly excessive and distorted. So Paul is asking, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? How, so a way that we can ask it, how are we going to escape this vice? How are we going to get out, right? So this is what Paul says in verse 25. He says, Thanks be to God, who through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And then he continues. We're actually going to keep going past chapter 7, because chap Romans chapter 8 verse 1 is like maybe one of the most awesome verses in all of Scripture. There's a lot of awesome verses. Um, there's not every verse is necessarily, okay, I'm not. Um, but Romans chapter 8 verse 1 is incredible. This is what Romans 8 chapter 1 says. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Here's what Paul's saying. The only way, this is hurting me now. The only way, so I can at least start undoing it a little bit. The only way to get out of the vice is Christ Jesus. That's the only way that breaks the sin cycle. That's the only thing where we can break our addictions and our habits and the things that we don't even want to do, but we still end up doing. Jesus is the only answer. Right? So here's the big idea. As we think through the relationship between ideal and real, here's the big idea. Is that we need to hold on to ideal and accept the real. Typically, we try to pit real and ideal against each other. But the reality is ideal and real don't need to be waging a war against each other. Um, the reality is we actually um, need both. We need to hold on to ideal. We need to not forget ideal. And we need to accept the real. We need to accept the reality of where we are. Right? So um, the ideal that we need to hold on to is that God's perfect moral that leads to our flourishing. Right? There's this morality that's going to lead to our flourishing. And that's the thing that we need to hold on to. The thing to hold on to is that we are made in the image of God. Right? The thing to hold on to is that we have value and dignity and worth. The thing to hold on to is that God created you, God made you, 
in his image, and he has a purpose for your life. That's incredible. That's such good news. That's the ideal. But also, we need to, we need to accept reality. And we need to accept that we're broken. And we need to accept that um, we m- many, many times fail to live up to the ideal. But man, let's not lose sight of the ideal. Let's hold on to ideal while we accept the real. Right? So this is the idea, this idea of grace. Grace is a completely free gift that God gives us. So as we think through holding on to ideal and accepting the real, this is the love and acceptance that God gives us is the same love and acceptance that we can give ourselves, which is the same love and acceptance that we can give others. Y'all, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Here's the good news, is that we are created in the image of God with value and dignity and worth. But, be, but we also, we know that we sin. We are sinners by nature and by choice, and we frequently fall short. And because we're sinners, we deserve wrath and we deserve punishment for our sin. But God sent his own son Jesus, this is what Paul says, God sent his own son Jesus who takes the punishment that we deserve and gives us this completely free gift. He takes our punishment freely. We didn't have to do anything to earn it. We can't do anything to lose it. All we need to do is accept it and accept this free grace, right? And because of that, we get to live with God now and we get to, love, we get to live with God for eternity. This is the good news, right? We often forget this, though, because as we think through our salvation, as we think through, this, as we think through our relationship with God, we think this grace was like a one-time thing. We think, oh, yeah, that hap- I got grace when I got saved, but I don't get grace anymore. Now I need to be perfect. Now I need to, like, because I'm a Christian, I should know better now. So now, like, I just need to live in the ideal all the time. And I can't, um, then I can't accept the fact that I'm in real. I can't accept the fact that I'm still broken, right? Because I'm a Christian. I'm, isn't everything supposed to be great when you become a Christian? Aren't you supposed to be perfect when you become a Christian? Um, I was talking with someone earlier, and that's before they became a Christian, this is what this person thought about the Bible and thought about church people. It was like, oh, the Bible's full of perfect people, church is full of perfect people, and I'm not perfect, so I don't belong. Y'all, this free gift of grace, ain't nobody, we say this every week here at the table, right? We call ourselves a banquet for the broken. Ain't nobody here perfect. Ain't nobody here that has it all together, right? Here's what we do, is we, ex- we hold on to the ideal, we're not losing sight of that, we're not being hopeless in our real, we're not being hopeless in our sin, right? We're holding on to the ideal, we're also accepting the real, and we're accepting that we're broken, and we're just giving grace for ourselves, we're giving grace for ourselves that we're not where we want to be, we know this, Nobody's where they want to be. I'm not where I want to be. You're not where you want to be. God knows this. God gives us grace. He knows that we know that we're not where we want to be. And so we get grace and love and acceptance, right? Um, there was this, uh, this like, guys group, um, a guys group that I was aware of. Um, so they, it was, like, um, it, because it was a guys group, like, that's, like, a porn group almost always. Um, and I kind of meant that as a joke. I'm sorry. That was not, it didn't land at all. Um, more about that later. Okay. Uh, so, so there was this group, right? And like some of the dudes in the group like did struggle with porn, but they were like, you know, well, like I'm a Christian now. I can't be doing this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. So man, y'all need to hold me, y'all hold me accountable. Y'all just, y'all just let me have it. Y'all just like rip one into me, right? Whenever I do something that I don't want to do, which is look at pornography. Um, so like, oh yeah, man, we're going to challenge you. We're just going to, it's just going to hurt so good. Yeah. And I want y'all to like kick me where it hurts every time I do it. Cause I want like, this is going to be that type of group, like high challenge, high accountability. Y'all just do it. Y'all just like. Y'all just like let me have it. They're like, oh yeah, man, we're gonna let you have it. Oh. Y'all. <laughs> this is <laughs> Y'all, this is not 
like, I understand, I understand the intention of wanting to live in the ideal, but that type of approach doesn't work. Because that type of approach is not very graceful. That type of approach is just a high ideal, high ideal, high ideal. Oh, and we're going to punish you when you don't live in the ideal? God doesn't do that. God doesn't punish us when we don't live in the ideal. You know what God does when we don't live in the ideal? God sent his son Jesus to die for us when we didn't live in the ideal. Right? God, man, um, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you feel like a sinner, welcome. We all do. If you feel broken, welcome to the table. We all do. Right? And God knows this. So God sent his son Jesus to die for us. Right? So as we think through our vices, as we think through our sin cycle, God sent his son Jesus to give us power and sent us the Holy Spirit to us to help us break the sin cycle, right? To help us accept the reality that we're in because that's where it starts. We can't grow if we don't accept where we are. We can't grow and find healing and hope in Jesus if we don't accept the reality that we're broken and that we're sinful, right? So how can we live in ideal and real if and when we sin? If and when we sin, here's what we do. We live in ideal and real. So I love what uh, James says, James 5.16, where he says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Right? So actually, we're going to do just a couple things of what James um, tells us to do. Is Number one is confess. So confession means, uh, some of you, if you grew up, especially from a Catholic tradition, um, confession may be where, like, you're in a dark room, there's a screen, there's a priest there. Um, I don't know exactly what goes on. I've never been in a confession booth. Uh, but this, this idea of confession may feel, like, really weird of, like, oh, man, do I need to, like, like share all my sins and then, God, and then have to, like, go, like, do things to make myself better? No, that's, that's works, workspace righteousness. That's trying to earn it. Here's what confession is. Confession, the word confession really means just agreement. So whenever you say confess, he's saying, hey, just agree that you're broken. Just agree, right? Accept the real. Accept that you're broken. Accept that you're sinful. Um, as well as accept that you're sinful, but also you don't need to hide. You don't need to be in denial. You don't need to be defensive. You can share your brokenness with others. You can share your brokenness with incredibly safe people, right? You can share your brokenness with one safe person, right? So as we think through confess, here's what I, here's what I would love for you. Man, if you feel like you're caught in a sin cycle— with something, if you feel like there's, there's just a vice in your life that you just feel like has you so gripped, here's what you do. You find one safe person. If you've never done this before, you find one safe person and you share it. Like, hey, this is what's going on. And if they truly are safe, here's how they're going to respond. Like, oh, man, I'm so sorry that that's your experience. I love you. God loves you. Hey, let's find healing and let's, take, let's, let's move forward together in this. Incredibly grace-filled. Right, so we confess, right? And as we we're like, oh man, I messed up again, right? It's like, oh, how dare you this time? I thought you fixed it already. No, 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 no. Sanctification is a process, right? Salvation is an instant. Getting saved is an instant. But does growing to be more like Jesus is a process. And even Paul, who wrote this, uh, most theologians say that he was a Christian as he wrote this. As he's battling ideal and real, this is his Christian experience. And this is our Christian experience, right? So if and when we sin, number one, confess, right? Um, so for me, um, so historically for a lot of my life, and I'll get more into my story later in future weeks, but um, for a lot of my life, kind of my big, my big three were lust, pride, and approval, right? So, so as I got to my mid-20s, like I would, for a lot of those things, I just would not talk about it like at all, 
right? And then I got, as I got to my mid-20s and later 20s and now my early 30s, like these are just things that like I regularly share with the safe people um, around me. Um, but recently, um, something that's come up for me um, has been, and this is like more new, is it has been performance anxiety and um, like imposter syndrome. So like now these are the things that like are in my real and in my brokenness, right? And even like in the, um, we, so we have a pre-service meeting at 6.30, so I'm standing out there, and I'm like, I'm good for most of the day, and I know I'm about to, like, talk and kind of share with you guys, and all of a sudden, like, I just start getting, like, real tight, right? Like, real tight right here and real tight right here, and I'm like, man, what is going on? Like, I'm not broken. I have nothing wrong with me. I should be fine all the time, right? And I'm like, wait, hold on. In the ideal, I would never feel anxiety. In the ideal, I just have it all together. In the ideal, I just always just have my ducks in a row and just always knew what I'm doing and have like an infinite amount of confidence in everything that I'm doing, right? In reality, that's not me, right? In reality, there are, th there are these new things in my life that I'm now processing. There are these new things in my life that God is revealing in me that now I'm processing. And I'm like, man, I thought like I conquered everything. I thought everything before that I had to work on, now like I should be good, right, for like for the rest of my life, like I, right? It's really easy whenever brokenness and sin is like this abstract concept and you know, like, in theory that you're a sinner, and you're, in theory that you're broken, healthy people specifically name how they're broken. Healthy people specifically name the sin that's in their lives, right? So if you feel like, you're, like there's some stuff to process, welcome. I'm glad you're a Christian. Okay. Uh, number two. Number two is pray. As we pray. As James says, we pray. Right? We can't do this on our own. We have to pray to the Holy Spirit. We have to pray to ask for help. We have to pray knowing that God is with us, right? As he's leading us and he's guiding us, right? And we can sit by ourselves as we're processing our vices, whatever it may be, right? We pray. We have to ask God for prayer, right? Sometimes we just, we get so caught up in like the, the practical steps or we get so caught up in the things or, or not the things, right? And we just feel so hopeless that we just forget to continually daily ask God for help as we're living our lives. So I just want to put that, some of you know this, some of you it may be a new thing, I just want to keep putting this in front of us, that I just want to be a people of prayer about everything in our lives, including the vices that we have. So whenever James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, my hope is that as we confess, we can pray for ourselves and pray for the others um, around us so that we may find healing, right? That we, that we may find healing. So number three, as we're wrapping up here, um, I want us to not just confess, and I want us to not just pray. I want us to take incredibly practical steps. So what do I mean by that? I mean, whatever it may be in your life, there's incredibly practical steps that you can take. And part of the reason you feel like you're still in the sin cycle, that you're still in this vice that has a grip on your life, is because we're not taking these very specific steps that God has called us to do, right? For some of us, it may be changing our playmates and our playground. Meaning, we know that the people that we're currently spending time with are the people that are getting caught up in this cycle with us, that are getting caught up in our vice. So God is telling us, hey, find new friends. Hey, don't spend time as much with those people, if at all, right? Move on. Some of us, we, we're going to places, and we know as we, going to, as we go to places, there are these things just so triggered in our brain, right, that has created such a strong pathway in our brain where we need to find new patterns. We need to spend time and go to different places, right? Um, uh, in in um, 
Um, I was going to say science, but that's like too broad. In, <laughs> in the medical field, there's this thing in our brain that's literally called neuroplasticity, which means that there are pathways in your brain, and as you continually do things, they just get reinforced. So we need to help create new pathways in our brain. That's part of how God designed us and wired us. It's for us to help create new pathways as he's empowering us through the power of his Holy Spirit and bringing people around us to help break um, the sin cycle. So maybe that's part of the practical step. As well as for some of us, um, we need to go to counseling. We need to talk to a counselor. We need to go to a trained professional who's professionally trained and studied and God has given the knowledge to to be able to help us um, with our vices, right? So for some of us, for many of us, I would recommend if you have never gone to counseling, I would, rec- as, um, I would highly, highly recommend considering it. I would highly recommend seeing if it's possible for you to go to counseling. We're actually going to have, we'll talk more about counseling throughout the series because I think it's going to be a big part of what we're doing here. Um, but man, it, right now, if, you've, is, if, if it's something you've already been kind of on the, fe- been kind of on the fence on, um, allow me to push you, <laughs> uh, push you to consider counseling and make an appointment. And as well as practical steps. Um, so here at the table, we have, I mean, we have a gathering every Tuesday. Um, something else on Tuesday that happens um, is something here at First Orlando that we call Celebrate Recovery, which is a 12-step recovery program. So um, perhaps there may be a season where it's best for you not to attend the table, but it's better for you to attend Celebrate Recovery, right? And again, there's no moral claim. Like there's no like, ooh, they're going to CR instead of going to the table. Oh, they must be real mess. No, 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 no. CR is great, right? And perhaps first, I wish it was on a different night. I wish it wasn't on a Tuesday, but um, I I wish that, yeah. So um, perhaps for a season, you need to consider Celebrate Recovery as you're thinking through practical steps. So here's how I want to wrap up. I see a version of your life where you're not stuck in your vice. The vice that you don't like, the very vice that you hate, I see a version of your life where you're not stuck anymore. I want that for you. But my question is, if you want that for you, do you want that for you? Do you want to be able, do you want to to hold back to ideal? For some of us, we've so lost ideal, right? We think ideal is impossible right? Which on this side of heaven, it is, but what is possible is for us to keep our eyes and hold on to ideal and not lose sight that there's hope and not lose sight that there's healing, right? I want you to want that for yourself. I want you to want healing and hope in Jesus and confess to your safe people and pray and take the practical steps that you need to take um, throughout it. I want us to be the most honest, realest people out there. I want us to not fake church smile, right? I know I'm like kind of a smiley person. I realize this. I know this about myself. Um, I hope and my aim is not to be a like smiley fake Christian. I want us to be real. I want us to be authentic. I want us to be able to talk about the real things and the real things going on in our life, right? So here's how we're going to respond. I want us, we're going to spend an extended time just praying. So we're going to have the pad going. Um, so about four minutes, I want you to, you can bow your head if you want to. Um, we'll, we'll dim the lights a little bit if we can. Uh, Tyler, Dan, um, we'll dim the lights just a little bit. And that way you can just sit and reflect and pray. And if you've never prayed about your vice, if you've never prayed and asked God um, for help with whatever it may be for you, that you can just spend this time just really just thinking and asking God um, just to come and to help and to show you and guide you as you're processing. 
Um, for the rest of the series, um, we're going to get into some specific things. Um, so the series will be about four or five weeks, and we're going to get into specific vices that you may be going through, but if it's not you, some of your friends may be going through it. Um, so one of the things we're going to talk about is, is porn and lust. I know for many of us, that's something that we've struggled with. Um, for some of us, it's, it's gluttony. For some of us, it's, um, it's just materialism and excessive, excessive spending. Um, so we're going to be going through very specific things throughout the specific weeks, but whatever it may be, even if we don't end up covering whatever God is revealing to you, my prayer is that tonight you can be able to process whatever it may be um, that you feel you feel stuck in, right? And that by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ, you will no longer feel stuck, and, can provi- and Jesus can provide hope and healing in your life. So I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll all pray. Father, man, I'm, God, I'm just so thankful for you. God, I'm thankful for your son, Jesus. God, I'm so, I uh, mean, thankful, God, that you don't judge us and condemn us as we're in real. God, that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us as we're in real. And God, I'm just praying, just for all of my friends here, that maybe for the first time, God, we actually have hope. Maybe for the first time, we can start taking steps towards healing. So we love you. In Jesus' name.